This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. So good to be with you. It's always good to, to start today with you as our listeners. Actually, some of you I know listen to the podcast, so it might not be starting the day. But others are listening on the radio, and we appreciate each and every one of you, whether that's on the podcast, whether that's live on the radio. It's always good to be with you, gentlemen, here in the studio. It's been now a couple weeks that all of the, quote, regulars have been together, and yep. that brings me great joy. So, And I think this is the case for a little while now. Should so, be, Lord willing. Yeah. Very, very excited about that. We have been talking about gospel fluency and yesterday we began to try to apply the gospel to personal stories. So in, from Ephesians 4, we have this truth that we are called to speak the truth in love, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And it goes on to say that God designed his body, the church, exactly how he wanted to. He put it together um, exactly in the way that he wanted it to function the best, and so the idea is that each part does its its, its work, um, that everybody was given a gift, everybody was given a role to play, that we each are there to equip one another to do the work that we have been called to do as a church, and we do that together. And part of that is that we speak gospel truth to one another. So I'm going to just have some little stories or questions that relate to personal situations that I want you guys to apply the gospel to. Can I give a caveat? Sorry. Yes, this yes, is, yes, this yes. Probably should have done that pre-show. But well, pre-recording. you know, you know what it is. So as we talk about speaking the gospel in love, I think, again, reminder, it's not saying hard things nicely. It is speaking Christ to people. And one of the dangers of this practice, however, is that we begin to wield the gospel like a mallet. Mm. And... As we think about applying the gospel to personal stories, um, I referenced yesterday the use of a scalpel and not a broadsword. Well, you know what a surgeon does before he operates? He listens to where it hurts. He doesn't just start cutting away. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so he, he actually mark, hear here, marks the area so he doesn't he, cut the wrong area. He's very clear on where he's applying <laughs> that scalpel. And so as we think about these personal stories, part of being able to apply the gospel rightly and graciously is is the keen ability to listen to where it hurts, mm-hmm. to listen to where people have failed to place their hope in Christ, and then to carefully, and oftentimes even maybe with their permission, to bring the truth to bear upon them. One of the great mm-hmm. mistakes we can make is start whacking away at people in our small group or in our church because we've attuned our ears to a gospel centrality, and we can he- we begin to hear where places people aren't trusting Jesus, and then we play whack-a-mole. Well, if you just trust Jesus more here or here or here, rather than listening well and being invited to speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Caveat over. Thank you, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> well said. I momentarily want to go down a rabbit I'm hole, sorry. and I yeah. think I'm going to stop, um, but that actually is one of the working premises of 
Technopoly from Neil Postman, and he really actually begins to say that technology sometimes changes things. And one of the things that was changed with technology and medicine is that doctors stopped listening to their patients mm. and that that practice of they were relying upon technology then too much and not listening to the patient near enough. Um, and so then care actually went down because there is such importance to hearing um, the patient as they describe what's going on. And that's actually one of the fundamental key insights that the doctor and, has. And what's what's true in that venue is also true in our social media. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're not listening, we're only the telling. Snippets. Yeah. So here, <laughs> this scenario. How might we speak the truth and love, the gospel, to a person who recounts a life without a father present or perhaps who has experienced an abusive father? I think... Uh, one thing that's helpful like for me as I think about it is how the Bible describes us, how Christ describes us apart from him. You know, there's, there's a f- phrases that are used where Jesus tells those that they are of the, the Pharisees, but uh, specifically that they are of their father, the devil. Paul uses the language of, you know, we were once children of wrath. And I think those are just one and the same. And when we realize that spiritually, by nature, our father is the devil, uh, he is an abusive father. He's an oppressive father. He's a father that uh, will abandon us and does abandon. Um, He's he's a father without any true love. Without any true love at all. Mm -hmm. So for those who are in that context or have come out of it, I, I would go the route of, of pointing to the fact that, you know, that's a horrible situation. What it shows is, I mean, that is our state. Like, you have a greater understanding of the abusive nature of our natural father. And the glory of the gospel through Christ is, is that God is now your father. Right. A God of love, a father of love, a father of compassion and pity who holds you and will never leave you and will never forsake you. The psalmist even talks about if they are forsaken by their mother and father, yet he is with the Lord. And so I think someone in that instance, it is. I mean, you talk about our heavenly father. Well, if I have abusive father, that's your context. You need to realize your abusive father or abusive mother, your abusive parent is in your home, a picture of Satan. Mm -hmm. And you can find comfort in knowing that your father now in Christ is never going to forsake you or abuse you. Yeah, it's a good point because our experiences don't define the gospel any more than they define the doctrine that we're called to believe. As said yesterday, Ephesians 5.1 tells us to be imitators of God. And God is that perfect Father who has adopted us into his forever family. This is what This is what we're talking about when we're talking about the gospel. This is one of the effects of the gospel. We have a father that far outshines anything that we could even imagine here. I mean, I have more fa- in common with the fathers out at the penitentiary than I do with the father in heaven. He's the one that he's the one that changes everything in the outlook about how we are to live before others or how we are even to understand the fatherhood of God. And I think it's just important to remind, I mean, 
Jonathan just quoted Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. First mm-hmm. John 3 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And then it goes on to say, beloved, we are God's children. And so it's really just reminding people of the great love that God has for his children. That no matter what your experience is, no matter where you've been, no matter what has been the the pain of of not having a loving father is swallowed up, Mm. if you will, by the incredible love of a perfect father for his children that he set his affection on you because of the great love of his heart. He, You didn't earn it. You don't have to earn it. It's not conditional. It is based upon his everlasting loving nature. And he, out of that loving nature, he said, that one is mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to set all of my affection upon him. What's really quite interesting, you know, when you think about it, you know, I, you know, we're parents in the room. We've, we're believers. We want to raise our children in, in the right way. We do all these things, but not one of us can say that we never had a reason not to ask our children for forgiveness. Mm. You know, but God has never had to ask us for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's never done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. He's only wanted our good and His glory. So. You know, this is, you know, like, I know there have been occasions uh, I can talk about, you know, even growing up in a Christian home and having my father come and make an apology to me for the way he's treated me harshly or something like that. This is something that we recognize that God taught him to say because God revealed his sin. But our parents, you know, if you've had an abusive father, perhaps God has not revealed that sin to him. You know, you grew up in a particularly harsh environment. Oh, where where he did doesn't have the same communication of truth to him. Now you're the communicator of truth. Now you're the one who knows that you have a father in heaven that far outshines anything you could know on earth. And this is why, as that a passage in Ephesians four goes on, it it says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you." be imitators of God. We're to show that type of love to one another in the church so that those that were raised in homes without loving fathers or raised in homes without a father find a father not just in God, but they find that type of love in the church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That we model that to one another. Yeah. He's given you brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second, how might we speak the truth and love to someone dealing with a substance abuse issue? Really, any type of yeah. addiction. Well, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, should we say, well, because grace abounds, you know, essentially it doesn't matter how I live, grace abounds. And, it, you know, there's a God forbid moment there. You know, God forbid, you know, he tells us, let not sin reign any longer in your mortal body. You know, so... Uh, you know, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. So I think that you know we have that those passages, and we're reminded that uh, because we have been united with Him in the death like His, and because we are going to be united in, in with Him in His resurrection, that we need to begin killing sin. 
We need to be killing sin. We need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ, not let sin reign in our mortal body. Yeah, I think we can look at the emphasis of Christ and his work of freeing us from being enslaved to sin. Yeah. So for that individual, maybe who sees their addiction as a slavery, they don't feel like they can break free from it. We can bring them back to Christ's victory over death, which is greater than any addiction and has granted now us spiritually freedom in Christ and helping them lead to find uh, that freedom. I think also addictions begin when we begin to find our joy and satisfaction in something, whether it's in a right. substance, uh, food, a relationship. You, you figure it out, whatever you might classify as an addiction. And it's it's helping people recognize that that false promise or that false lie of mm-hmm. that thing cannot compete with the satisfaction that is found yeah. in Christ. Yeah, and, the, and, and for some people, there isn't an enjoyment in the tents of sin for a season, mm-hmm. but it's only for a season. You need to point point out that this is not something that will last, and even they know it. I mean, it's really not that hard to show somebody what it's doing to them, you know, in their you know in their lucid moment to reason with them and reason with them, understanding that the gospel promises so much better. And by depending on Christ, because He is He reigns from heaven, He controls those passions. You you can look to him. You can ask for help in the time of need, and he's willing to come alongside. I think there's an identity element here too. Sometimes mm. um, our vices become our identity, mm. and so then it, it just is a matter of reminding them of who they are in Christ, and then going into what you guys are saying, all of the benefits that flow out of who they are in Christ. So once again, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will. Wrap this series up tomorrow and talk through just a couple more applications of the gospel to personal stories, and we'll see you then.